بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the Fath of Mecca, the conquest of Mecca and how the Prophet ﷺ took control of Mecca and he cleansed the Kaaba from the idols and whatever symbols of kufr and shirk were there. So Mecca and the Haram alhamdulillah have now become purified and they are now under the rule of the Prophet ﷺ. The city of Mecca is now under the command of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. So the conquest of Mecca this was one of the most important events in the history of Islam. And if you think about it, the Prophet ﷺ, he was born in Mecca. His ancestors were from Mecca. His tribe, the Quraysh, it was a Meccan tribe. He lived 53 years of his life in Mecca. From his birth to the age of 53, he lived in Mecca, including the first 13 years of his prophethood. He became a prophet in Mecca at the age of 40. And for the first 13 years of his prophethood, he stayed in Mecca, giving da'wah to the people of Mecca. So Mecca was a very important part of the life of the Prophet ﷺ, and it had a special place in his heart. It was the most beloved land to the Prophet ﷺ. But due to constant harm from the Quraysh, the Prophet ﷺ, eventually he had to leave his home city. He had to leave Mecca. And he left Mecca and he went to Medina. As he was leaving Mecca, as the Prophet ﷺ was leaving his beloved city of Mecca, he said to the city of Mecca, he addressed the city of Mecca, and he said, Wallahi, innaki lakhayru ardillah, wa ahabbu ardin ilayya, wa lawla anna ahlaki akhrajuni minki, ma kharajtu minki. As the Prophet ﷺ was leaving Mecca when he was making his hijrah to Medina, he said to Mecca, Wallahi, surely you are the best land of Allah and surely you are the most beloved land to me. And if it wasn't for the fact that your people have expelled me, I would have never left you. So this is how special Mecca was to the Prophet ﷺ. This is how much the Prophet ﷺ had love for the city of Mecca in his heart. But he had to leave. And he spent many years away from Mecca. Now eight years after he was expelled from Mecca, eight long years, the Prophet ﷺ is now back in his city. And he is back with honor and with power. And he is back now as the ruler and the commander and the leader of this city, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is one of the greatest events in the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and one of the greatest events in the history of Islam and one of the greatest events in the history of mankind. The Fath of Mecca, the conquest of Mecca. So now Mecca is under the rule of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, under the command of the Muslims, Walhamdulillah. So the Fath of Mecca, the conquest of Mecca, it took place on the 13th of Ramadan, in the 8th year of the Hijrah of the Prophet 
the month of Ramadan, the best of months. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this month for the conquest of Mecca. So it happened on the 13th of Ramadan in the eighth year of the Hijrah. Now, much of the Quraysh, alhamdulillah, they decided to accept Islam. After the Prophet wasallam conquered Mecca, the Quraysh saw that the best things for themselves was to accept Islam and to become Muslims. And some of them may have become Muslim due to really believing in Islam. And some of them may have seen no other choice at this time. They saw, okay, there's nothing else we should do. There is no other option for us. This is the best thing for us to do. We will accept Islam. Even though it may have not entered their hearts in totality, they saw that the best thing for them to do at this time was to accept Islam. So a number of the Quraysh, large number of them, alhamdulillah, they became Muslims and they accepted Islam. And the Prophet wasallam, he forgave the Quraysh for their treatment of him. For the long years that the Prophet wasallam, was giving da'wah to them in Mecca, 13 years and he had to face so many difficulties from the Quraysh. And then even when he was in Medina, they plotted against him and they tried to fight him a number of times. Yet still, now the Prophet ﷺ was in a position of power and he could have punished them for all of those years of harm that he faced from them. But instead, he said to them, لا تثريب عليكم اليوم There is no reproach upon you today. اذهبوا فأنتم الطلقاء Go, you are free. So this was one of the great displays of rahmah from the Prophet ﷺ to the people of Mecca. He declared a general amnesty for the people. However, there were some people who were excluded from this amnesty. There were some people who the Prophet ﷺ said that if you find these certain people, and he named these people, if you find these certain people, kill them. And these people who the Prophet ﷺ named, whom he didn't include in the amnesty, they were from the greatest enemies of Islam. They were from the greatest enemies of Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ said about these certain people, if you find these people, kill them. Now amongst these people whom the Prophet ﷺ did not include in the amnesty, amongst them was Hind bint Utbah. Hind bint Utbah was the wife of Abu Sufyan and she had lost a number of her family members on the day of Badr and because of that she wanted to cause as much harm to the Muslims as possible after Badr so on the day of Uhud when the beloved uncle of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Hamza Ibn Abdul Muttalib when Hamza was martyred on the day of Uhud Hind bint Utbah, she actually went and she mutilated his body. She mutilated the body of Hamza radiallahu because of her anger over what had happened the previous year at Badr. So this was a huge thing that she did. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not include her in the amnesty. And he said that she is a person, if you find her, you kill her. So during his stay in Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ, after he conquered Mecca, he stayed there for 19 days. During his stay in Mecca, he took bay'ah. He took the Pledge of Allegiance from the new Muslims of Mecca, the Quraysh. They had accepted Islam, alhamdulillah. So they came to the Prophet ﷺ to give their Pledge of Allegiance to him. And he took the Pledge of Allegiance from the men 
And when the men would take the bay'ah or the Pledge of Allegiance and give their Pledge of Allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ, it would be hand to hand. And he would also take Pledge of Allegiance from the women, but there was no contact. He did not take their hands or shake their hands during the bay'ah. So this is a difference in the Pledge of Allegiance from men and the Pledge of Allegiance from women. For the men, he would take their hands. For the women, he would not touch them. And he would take their bay'ah only verbally. So the men took their bay'ah. They pledged their allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ. And the women also, they took their pledge of allegiance and they gave their pledge of allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ. So as the Prophet ﷺ was taking the pledge of allegiance, he was taking the bay'ah from the women. The women were coming one by one. And they were pledging their allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ. And they were covered. So they were unrecognizable who they were. Right? So one of the women came to the Prophet ﷺ to give him her pledge of allegiance. And the pledge of allegiance for the women, it is mentioned in Surah Al-Mumtahina, Ya ayyuhan nabiyu idha ja'aka al-mu'minatu yubayi'naka ala alla yushrikna billahi shay'a wala yasriqna wala yaznina wala yaqtulna awladahunna ولا يأتين ببهتان يفترينه بين أيديهن وأرجلهن ولا يعصينك في معروف فبايعهن واستغفر لهن الله إن الله غفور رحيم. so the bay'ah or the pledge of allegiance from the women it consisted of these articles لا يشركن بالله شيئا that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would tell them that you have to pledge that you will not associate partners with Allah. وَلَا يَسْرِقْنَا And you will not steal. وَلَا يَزْنِينَ And you will not commit zina. وَلَا يَقْتُلْنَ أَوْلَادَهُنَّ And not to kill your children. وَلَا يَأْتِينَ بِبُهْتَانِ يَفْتَرِينَهُ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِنَّ وَأَرْجُلِهِنَّ And you will not come with slander. وَلَا يَعْصِينَكَ فِي مَعْرُوفِ And that they cannot disobey the Prophet ﷺ in what is good. So these are the points of the Pledge of Allegiance that the Prophet ﷺ was taking from the women. So this woman came to the Prophet ﷺ to give her Pledge of Allegiance. And she was covered. So she was not recognizable. So the Prophet ﷺ took the Pledge of Allegiance from her. That you will not associate partners with Allah. She agreed to that. وَلَا يَسْرِقْنَا And you will not steal. She agreed to that. وَلَا يَزْنِينَ You will not commit zina. And then this woman said, would a free woman, a woman who's not a slave, would a free woman ever commit zina? Like, why do you even have to say this? This is something that is unheard of. A free woman like myself would never commit zina. And the Prophet ﷺ recognized her voice when she said this. This was the voice of Hind bint Utbah, the wife of Abu Sufyan. She wanted to take the Pledge of Allegiance, give the Pledge of Allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ and become a Muslim. So when she said this, Would a free woman ever commit zina? The Prophet ﷺ immediately recognized this is Hind bint Utbah. And he said, A Hind? Is this Hind? And then quickly she said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna ka Rasulullah. Because she was afraid for her life. She said to the Prophet ﷺ, I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. And I bear witness that you are the Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he pardoned her. Even though he had not included her originally in the general amnesty that he gave to the Quraysh, 
now that she had accepted Islam and she was taking the pledge of allegiance with him, he pardoned her and he forgave her. So then the Prophet ﷺ continued with the articles of the Pledge of Allegiance. Then he said to her, and you cannot kill your children. You cannot kill your children. And then Hind, she replied, kill our children? How would we kill our children? We are the ones who brought up our children since they were young. And we took care of them when they were young. And you guys killed them on the day of Badr. You killed my children on the day of Badr. The Muslims killed my children on the day of Badr. So the Prophet ﷺ, he laughed when she said this. And Umar ibn al-Khattab he was also listening and he was laughing too. That everything that the Prophet ﷺ says, she has some answer to it. But now Alhamdulillah, she had accepted Islam. And she was ready to give her allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ. So this is how the, the execution order for Hind bint Utbah, it was cancelled and she was pardoned by the Prophet wasallam, and she accepted Islam Alhamdulillah also from the people whom the Prophet wasallam, did not include in the amnesty was Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh and we spoke about him a little bit before Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh he was a man who accepted Islam he became a Muslim and he actually went to Medina. He migrated to Medina. And he spent time with the Prophet ﷺ. And he was one of the people who would write down the Qur'an. The Qur'an would be revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. And there were certain people from the Sahaba who would write it down. And Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh, he was one of them. He would write down the Qur'an. So he stayed in Medina for some time as a Muslim. And then he left Islam and he became a murtad. He apostated from Islam and he went back to Mecca. And when he went back to Mecca, he lied to the Quraysh and he said, I would write down the revelation for Muhammad. I would write down the Quran and I would change some words here and there. And this is of course a lie. He never did any such thing. He would write down the revelation, but he never changed anything. But he made this lie against the Quran and he claimed that he changed the Quran to the Quraysh. So this is a serious crime. You are a Muslim and then you leave Islam and then on top of that you lie upon the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You lie about the Quran. So this was a very serious crime and for this reason the Prophet ﷺ did not include Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh in the amnesty. And he said to his companions, if you find Abdullah ibn, ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh, you kill him. So Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh he was related to Uthman ibn Affan. He was related to Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. So Uthman found him and he told him that, look, there is an order for your execution. You have no way out of this. You're going to be executed. The only solution I see for you, maybe, maybe if I take you to the Prophet wasallam and you accept Islam, you become a Muslim, maybe he will pardon you. And this is your only, your only possibility. And other than that, you will surely be executed. So Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, he said, okay, I will go with you. We will meet the uh, Prophet wasallam, and I will take my shahada. I will become a Muslim and I will pledge my allegiance to him. So Uthman said, okay, come with me. So Uthman radiallahu an, he took Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh to the tent of the Prophet wasallam. And he came inside and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I have Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh with me. 
So Abdullah ibn Sa'd ibn Abi Sarh, he entered the tent of the Prophet And there were some companions of the Prophet who were also present. It was the Prophet and a few of his companions present in the tent at that time. So Abdullah ibn Sa'd ibn Abi Sarh, he took the shahada and he put his hand out to the Prophet to pledge his allegiance. The way that the men would pledge allegiance, it would be hand to hand. So Abdullah ibn Sa'd, he put his hand out to the Prophet ﷺ to pledge his allegiance. And the way that the allegiance is pledged is the man would put his hand out and the Prophet ﷺ would take his hand. This is how the bay'ah was, hand in hand. So Abdullah ibn Sa'd, he put out his hand and the Prophet ﷺ did not put out his hand. And then Abdullah ibn Sa'd, he tried it a second time to put out his hand. The Prophet ﷺ did not put out his hand. Then Abdullah ibn Sa'd, he put his hand out a third time and the Prophet ﷺ did not put out his hand. And the companions, they're watching what's going on but nobody is saying anything. And then the fourth time, Abdullah ibn Sa'd put out his hand and the fourth time the Prophet ﷺ put out his hand as well and he accepted his bay'ah. He accepted his pledge of allegiance. And he pardoned him. He pardoned him. And then Abdullah ibn Sa'd, he left the tent of the Prophet ﷺ. After he left the Prophet ﷺ, he said to the companions who were around him, he said, isn't there any sensible person amongst you? When you saw that I was not putting out my hand, why didn't one of you kill him? You saw that I was not accepting his pledge of allegiance a number of times and you're just watching and you didn't kill him. Isn't there anyone sensible amongst you who understand what I wanted? And then the companions, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, we didn't know that's what you wanted. If you had just given us a signal with your eyes, if you had just given us some signal with your eyes, like kill him. If you had just showed us with your eyes, we would have done it. And the Prophet ﷺ said, مَا كَانَ لِنَبِيٍّ أَنْ يَقْتُلَ أَحَدًا بِخَائِنَةِ الْأَعْيُنِ It is not appropriate for a Prophet. It is not becoming of a Prophet to kill anyone by using the deception of the eyes, using the eyes to make a sign or a signal to tell someone to do something. This is not the behavior of a Prophet, so no. So anyways, the Prophet ﷺ did end up accepting the bay'ah, the, the allegiance from Abdullah ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Sarh, and he became a Muslim again, alhamdulillah, and his Islam was good this time, alhamdulillah. He became a good Muslim, and he stayed as a good Muslim throughout his life, radiallahu anhu. So he was pardoned as well. Also from those whom the Prophet ﷺ had ordered to be executed and who was not included in the general amnesty was Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl. Ikrimah, the son of Abu Jahl. And you all know about the father of Ikrimah, Abu Jahl, the Fir'aun of this Ummah, the worst enemy of Islam. And his son Ikrimah was also a great enemy of Islam and an enemy of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he really caused a lot of harm and pain to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he was not included in the amnesty as well. Now Ikrimah, he actually fled Mecca. He left Mecca. And he decided to actually leave the whole Arabian Peninsula because he saw now pretty much the whole Arabian Peninsula had accepted Islam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had successfully united the majority of the Arabian Peninsula on Islam by the permission of Allah. So Ikrimah thought to himself, I don't even want to live in the whole Arabian Peninsula anymore. 
So he decided that he would go to Africa. And the way to go to Africa was by ship. So Ikrimah, he fled Mecca and he went to Jidda, the city of Jidda, which is on the coast of the Red Sea. And his intention was he would take a ship from the port of Jidda and he would go to Africa. So he fled Mecca and he went to Jidda. Now the wife of Ikrimah, she was a Muslim, alhamdulillah, and she was still in Mecca. Her husband had fled Mecca, but the wife was still in Mecca. So she went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and she's a Muslim, alhamdulillah. She went to the Prophet and she said, Ya Rasulullah, if Ikrimah comes back as a Muslim, if I bring Ikrimah back to Mecca as a Muslim, will you pardon him? Will you pardon him? And the Prophet said, Yes. If he comes as a Muslim, I will pardon him. Again, this shows the mercy of the Prophet even to the people who were his worst enemies. He said, Yes, if he becomes a Muslim, if he comes as a Muslim, he is safe and I will pardon him. So she was very happy at this, the wife of Ikrimah, she was very happy at this. And she quickly went to Jidda to catch her husband, to give him the good news that if you become a Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ, he will pardon you and you will be safe. So she quickly went to Jidda to catch her husband. But by the time she reached Jidda, Ikrimah had already boarded the ship and he was in the sea on his way to Africa. So when he boarded the ship and the ship set sail on the sea, there was a huge storm and the sea became very rough and the people on that ship they started to fear for their lives they thought that the ship is going to capsize everyone is going to drown so ikrimah noticed something in this situation now that the people on that ship they were idol worshipers they were people who worshiped idols but in this situation when they feared for their lives and they feared that they were going to drown in the sea, no one was calling on any of those idols. Not a single person on that ship was calling out to any of those idols. Everyone was calling out only to Allah. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, save us, save us. Every single one of them. There was no mention of any idol. So Ikrimah, he saw this, he noticed this. And he said that this is a sign that when we are in a situation of distress, we only call upon Allah. The one who saves us in the sea is Allah. So He must also be the one who will save us on land. And at that point, the belief in Tawheed, that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah, it entered, it entered his heart. And at that point, he realized that Islam is the truth. Islam is the truth. So when the storm settled down, he asked to be taken back to Jiddah. He asked to be taken back to Jidda. And he disembarked the ship at the port of Jidda and he found his wife there waiting for him. And now he accepted Islam. He said, I, I'm ready to become a Muslim. And his wife, of course, she was very happy. And she brought him back to Mecca. And he came to the Prophet وسلم, and he accepted Islam. Alhamdulillah. Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl, the son of Abu Jahl, is now a Muslim. Alhamdulillah. So he was pardoned as well. He was pardoned by the Prophet وسلم, as well, and now he's a Muslim. Alhamdulillah. Also, Safwan ibn Umayyah had fled Mecca as well. Safwan ibn Umayyah, he was the son of Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Umayyah ibn Khalaf, he was also killed at Badr. And Umayyah ibn Khalaf was one of the greatest enemies of Islam, similar to Abu Jahl. Umayyah ibn Khalaf, he was 
the one who actually owned Bilal radiallahu anhu before Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu purchased him. And he tortured Bilal. He is the one who tortured Bilal radiallahu anhu. So he was a great enemy of Islam, Umayyah ibn Khalaf, and he died on the day of Badr. So Safwan was his son. Safwan was the son of Umayyah ibn Khalaf. So he had this anger and this resentment and this enmity and hatred towards the Muslims. So he had also fled Mecca. He had left Mecca. So his wife, the wife of Safwan, she saw what happened with Ikrimah and his wife. That the wife of Ikrimah had asked the Prophet ﷺ, if Ikrimah comes back as a Muslim, will you pardon him and will you give him safety? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. And Ikrimah came back as a Muslim and Alhamdulillah, this had a happy ending for them. So Safwan's wife thought she could do the same thing. That if he forgave Ikrimah, he can also forgive Safwan. So the wife of Safwan ibn Umayyah, she approached the Prophet ﷺ and she asked him, if Safwan comes back as a Muslim, will you pardon him too? Will you keep him safe? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. But then she felt scared. She said, Safwan, he is a very stubborn man. He's very hard-headed. So I'm not sure, maybe he will not accept Islam. Even if I tell him that you can have safety if you accept Islam, maybe still he won't want to become a Muslim. So then the Prophet ﷺ gave her a very nice offer. He said to her, I will give him four months. Even if he's not a Muslim, I will give him four months to think about it, to think about accepting Islam. Four months of a guarantee of safety from me. Even if he doesn't accept Islam, he can enter Mecca safely and he can think about it for four months. So then she was happy. So she said to him, Ya Rasulullah, can you just give me some sign? Just give me a symbol of this promise of safety. So the Prophet ﷺ, he took off his turban from his head and he gave it to her. And he said, this is a symbol of this agreement, my turban, that I promise that I will give Safwan four months of safety. So she was very happy at this and she went to her husband. She went to Safwan ibn Umayyah and she said to him, if you become a Muslim right now, you can come in Mecca and you can be safe and you will be pardoned. But if you don't accept Islam, then still the Prophet ﷺ, he has agreed to give you four months of safety. So he said, no, I don't want to be a Muslim, but I will come into Mecca and I will take those four months of safety. So Safwan ibn Umayyah, he came back and he returned to Mecca. He entered Mecca still as a mushrik, but under the promise of safety from the Prophet ﷺ. Also Suhail ibn Amr radiallahu Suhail ibn Amr was not from the people whom the Prophet ﷺ had ordered to be executed. No. Suhail ibn Amr, he was from the people whom the Prophet ﷺ included in the general amnesty. But the story of his Islam, the story of Islam of Suhail ibn Amr is a very interesting story. And again, it highlights the high character of the Prophet Suhail ibn Amr, he was the representative of the Quraysh when the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah was being agreed upon. He is the one who met with the Prophet and he is the one who came up with the terms of the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah that the Quraysh eventually broke. So Suhail ibn Amr, he was a person who had caused a lot of problems over the years 
for the Prophet and for the Muslims. So now he was scared too. Suhail ibn Amr, he was afraid. But he was ready to accept Islam. And when he was going to enter upon the Prophet to accept Islam, the Prophet told his companions that whoever sees Suhail, whoever sees Suhail, don't give him a bad look. Because the Muslims, they had that anger towards Suhail ibn Amr because of his role in the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah and his, his enmity towards the Muslims in the past and the problems that he had caused for the Muslims in the past. Suhail ibn Amr was a person who caused a lot of problems for the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ knew that his companions, if they saw Suhail ibn Amr, they may give him a bad look. Like, this is Suhail ibn Amr. He's the guy who caused so many problems for us. Remember, Suhail ibn Amr was the one who ordered the Prophet ﷺ to erase Rasulullah next to his name when they were making the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. When the Prophet ﷺ wrote or he ordered Ali to write his name as Muhammad Rasulullah, Suhail said, no, erase Rasulullah and write Muhammad ibn Abdullah. This was Suhail ibn Amr. So of course, you know, this is not something that the Muslims would take lightly. So the Prophet ﷺ knew that the Muslims had something in their heart, would have something in their heart against Suhail ibn Amr. So he ordered them that Suhail ibn Amr, he's going to come now. He wants to become a Muslim. If any of you meets him or sees him, don't give him a bad look. Don't even give him a bad look. Because we don't want him to feel bad. We want to welcome him into Islam. So look at the manners and the high character of the Prophet ﷺ. So Suhail ibn Amr, he entered upon the Prophet ﷺ and he accepted Islam as well. Alhamdulillah. And he became a very strong Muslim after that. And we spoke last week about the Islam of Abu Sufyan himself, who was the leader of the Quraysh. So Alhamdulillah, all of the big people of the Quraysh, they are accepting Islam, Alhamdulillah. So, during his stay in Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ, he stayed there for 19 days. And during his stay, he ordered for all of the idols in Mecca and around Mecca to be destroyed. The Prophet ﷺ himself, he destroyed the idols around the Kaaba. But there were other idols around the city, in different parts of the city, and on the outskirts of the city. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered for all of those idols in Mecca and around Mecca to be destroyed. So he sent a number of his companions to go on these missions to destroy the idols. So Alhamdulillah, the main idols of the Quraysh, they were all destroyed. Alhamdulillah, Al-Uzza, Manat, all of these idols, Alhamdulillah, they were destroyed. Also, while the Prophet ﷺ was still in Mecca, during those 19 days while he was there, he sent Khalid ibn al-Walid with a group of the Muhajireen and the Ansar and also some soldiers from the tribe of Bani Sulaim with Khalid ibn al-Walid as the leader of this expedition. He sent them to the tribe of Bani Juthayma. Now this tribe, the tribe of Bani Juthayma, it was a tribe that lived in an area that was a little bit outside of Mecca, outside of the borders of Mecca. So they heard about the conquest of Mecca. They heard that the Prophet ﷺ had come to Mecca and he was victorious and now, and now Mecca was under Muslim command. They heard about it. So they were ready to become Muslims as well. The tribe of Bani Juthayma, 
they were ready to accept Islam as well. They didn't want to fight or anything. They were ready to become Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ sent Khalid ibn al-Walid with a group of Muhajireen and Ansar and also some soldiers from Bani Sulaym, a group of about 350 people were in this expedition. So Khalid and his men, as they approached the tribe of Bani Judayma, the tribe of Bani Judayma, they came out. They came out ready to accept Islam. They had no intention to fight. They had no intention to put up any type of resistance, nothing. They came out to declare themselves as Muslims. But it was the custom of this particular tribe. And you know, different tribes, they had different customs. It was the custom of this particular tribe, the tribe of Bani Judayma, that when they would come out to meet any guests that were coming into their tribe, when they would come out to receive them, they would come out with their weapons. They would come out with their weapons. This was just a custom of theirs. It, does, it didn't mean that they, they had come out to fight or they wanted to fight or anything like that. This was just their custom that when they would come out to receive guests, they would have their weapons with them. So they came out. The tribe came out. Large number of people. They came out to meet Khalid and his men, but they came out with their weapons. So Khalid ibn al-Walid, he thought that this means that these people, they want to fight. So he called to them, he said, that you have to become Muslims, you have to accept Islam. And then they replied to Khalid radiallahu anhu, they said, Saba'na. And this was a word that was misunderstood by Khalid radiallahu Saba'na, it means we have left our religion. We have left our old religion. And in terms of a disbeliever saying that, what they meant was that they had left their old religion of kufr and shirk and they had entered into Islam. That's what they meant by it. Saba'na means we left our old religion and we have become Muslims. But Khalid, he understood it as that they are not Muslims. That we don't want Islam. So it was a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding of the word, of the phrase, Saba'na. So Khalid, when he heard this, Saba'na, he thought that they are kuffar and they have their weapons with them and they went to fight. So he ordered for his people to attack them and they fought. And they killed many of them. The Muslims, they killed a number of the people of the tribe of Bani Judayma due to this miscommunication and this misunderstanding. And then Khalid took a number of them as prisoners. He killed some of them and some of them were taken as prisoners. And these prisoners, they said to Khalid, why are you doing this? We are Muslims. We accepted Islam. And then Khalid said, no, no, no. Now after you saw us fighting you and you saw our power, now you just want to say that you are Muslims to save yourselves. You are just saying it out of fear of the sword. And then Khalid radiallahu anh, he ordered his people he said, execute all of the prisoners. Execute all of the prisoners. And the Muhajireen and the Ansar, the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they were knowledgeable. And they knew that this is a mistake. And they said, some of them actually said to Khalid, they said, Ya Khalid, they are saying they are Muslims. We cannot execute them. But Khalid was insistent upon it. But the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they refused. They said, we will not follow this order of yours, Ya Khalid. But the soldiers who were from Bani Sulaym, they, 
carried out this order from Khalid ibn al-Walid. And that's because the soldiers from Bani Sulaym, Bani Sulaym had just accepted Islam before the Fath of Mecca. They were new Muslims. So they didn't have much knowledge of the rulings on what to do in this type of situation. But the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they had a lot of knowledge. And they knew that this was a wrong decision by Khalid ibn al-Walid. And Khalid himself, he had not been a Muslim for even a year at this point. So of course, the other Muslims from the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they had more knowledge than him. And that's why they refused to carry out this command. But the soldiers from Bani Sulaym, they followed the order of Khalid and they executed the prisoners. So when they came back to Mecca and they informed the Prophet ﷺ of what had happened, he was very upset. He was very upset that this all happened due to a misunderstanding. And Khalid made a mistake by executing those prisoners even after they had said that they are Muslims. This was a mistake by Khalid ibn al-Walid. And the Prophet ﷺ openly he said, he said, Allahumma inni abra'u ilayka mimma sana'a Khalid. And he said it three times. Allahumma inni abra'u ilayka mimma sana'a Khalid. Oh Allah, I am free. I am free from what Khalid did. I am free from what Khalid did. So this was a major mistake by Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he continued to stay in Mecca until the end of Ramadan. As we mentioned, he stayed there for 19 days. The Fath of Mecca was on the 13th of Ramadan. The Prophet ﷺ stayed there for the remainder of Ramadan. He prayed Salatul Eid, Eidul Fitr in Mecca. And then the next day after Salatul Eid, the day after Eid, the Prophet ﷺ went for his next expedition towards Hawazin. And remember, we spoke a little bit about the tribes of Hawazin, these tribes of Al-Ta'if. They were also planning to attack Medina. They had a plan that they were going to attack Al-Medina. So this was a huge tribe, the tribe of Hawazin. And it had many branches. The tribe of Hawazin, it had many sub-branches. And there were actually a few branches of the tribe of Hawazin who refused. They said that we don't want to participate in this war. But still, the leader of the army of Hawazin, he was a man named Malik ibn Auf. He was able to gather a huge number of people, 20,000 soldiers. So their plan originally was to go and attack Medina. But now they know that the Muslims are not in Medina. They are in Mecca. So now their plan is to come and attack the Muslims in Mecca, to come from Ta'if to Mecca. And the Prophet ﷺ knows that this is what they are planning. But the Prophet ﷺ, he wanted to make sure that the fighting, it doesn't happen in Mecca. He didn't want any fighting to happen in Mecca. So he said, or he decided to leave Mecca and to go towards Ta'if so that no fighting would happen in Mecca. And the reason why the Prophet ﷺ didn't want fighting to happen in Mecca was, first of all, Mecca is sacred. Fighting is not allowed inside Mecca. And also another reason why the Prophet ﷺ didn't want any fighting to happen in Mecca was because the Quraysh, they had just accepted Islam. They were new Muslims. And perhaps Islam was still not very strong in their hearts. So if Hawazin came into Mecca and they fought inside Mecca, perhaps the Quraysh might see this as an opportunity for themselves to get Mecca back. So they might make some deal with Hawazin and switch sides 
and try to get Mecca back from the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ saw this as a possibility if fighting occurs inside of Mecca. So he didn't want the fighting to occur in Mecca, so he left Mecca and he headed towards a Ta'if. So Hawazin, they left a Ta'if heading towards Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, they left Mecca heading towards a Ta'if. So if Hawazin is on their way to Mecca and the Muslims are on their way to a Ta'if, it means they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. They're going to meet somewhere in the middle between Al-Ta'if and Mecca. And this is exactly what happened. They met in the middle in a place that is known as Hunayn. A place that is known as Hunayn. And a battle ensued at Hunayn. And this is known as Ghazwatu Hunayn. And inshallah we'll speak about the Ghazwat Hunayn, the Battle of Hunayn next week bi-idhnillah. Wallahu alam sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.